0: and nearly doubling life expectancy over the past five decades, the report argued that much of the transport and other infrastructure in the region is aimed at extracting minerals rather than benefiting residents. Projects usually import workers from other parts of China, seldom employing Tibetans in significant numbers. When protests break out, China's response has generally been heavy-handed, with authorities seeking to politicize the protests, Tibet Watch wrote. Understanding those risks, Tibetan communities sometimes use creative ways to get their message across. In August 2013, hundreds of people gathered in Sato County in Qinghai Province to protest against mining on what they considered to be a holy mountain— They flew Chinese flags to demonstrate their loyalty to the state and erected posters and placards quoting President Xi Jinping's words on the need to balance economic growth and environmental protection. It didn't help. Police and parliamentary forces arrived in large numbers, firing bullets above the crowd, arresting eight people and injuring many more, according to campaigners at Free Tibet. In the villages outside Zhao Sumang Township in Qinghai, residents blame a lead and zinc mine for the deterioration of the grasslands for miles around and even for failing harvests of caterpillar fungus, a highly prized health cure that is the backbone of the local economy. Contaminated water from the mine, residents said in a joint letter to the authorities in 2010, not only killed their livestock, but also caused people who drank it to die of cancer, they said. Over the years, many herders would sigh and say, Life can't go on like this anymore. Even drinking has become a big issue for people living on the grasslands, the letter said. A May 2009 protest in Si Cha village prompted a severe crackdown, the letter said, with guns and tear gas used, seven women severely beaten, and twelve men blindfolded, detained, and tortured. Authorities threatened to cancel poverty alleviation grants, including income and housing subsidies, if anyone in the region brought up the issue of environmental protection again, the letter said, adding that the crackdown caused great fear to spread in our hearts. Whether the mine is truly the culprit for all of the grasslands' ills is another matter. Climate change, for example, is probably an important factor, but that doesn't soothe local anger. When I was young, there was more grass, more flowers. It was really beautiful here, said one twenty-seven-year-old man in a valley downstream from the lead and zinc mine. Now you see it's less beautiful every year. People see all this and they are not really sure what happened, so they think it must be the mine. A Conflict Without End In Jajika, 300 miles to the southeast, the commercial pressure to reopen the lithium mine is mounting. The element is a vital component in rechargeable batteries used in cars, smartphones, laptops, and other electronic and electrical items, and demand and prices are skyrocketing. In January, Yunji Co. Limited, the parent company of Hangdu Rongda Lithium, promised investors that the local government would step up efforts to reopen the mine in March. That same month, an article in the local Ganzi daily newspaper outlined the authorities' dream of making the area Chinese lithium capital, calling Jiajika the biggest lithium mine in the world, with proven reserves of 1.89 million metric tons and even greater potential. Three companies, including Rongda, will invest $3.4 yuan $510 million, in the site by 2020, the article said. Yi Zhen-kung, Yung media officer, said an official investigation had established that the plant was not responsible for killing fish in 2013 or this year. The local government has made it clear it is nothing to do with our company, he said, They are looking into it and have already zoomed in on some suspects. He said the plant had been closed since late 2013 because of problems relating to land acquisition and denied that it had restarted operations in April, as locals claimed. Nevertheless, across the Tibetan plateau, resource extraction, land grabs, and environmental destruction remain flashpoints for conflict between Tibetans and the authorities, said Free Tibet Director Eleanor Byrne Rosengren, reflecting both local grievances and a wider problem that Tibetans do not have the right to decide what happens to Tibet and its resources.